I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. I just saw this picture, but I feel like it's for many people in the room, and I saw someone going from pruning a fruit tree to planting orchards. And I feel like the grace uh, for multiple streams of income is in the room. And I feel like, I feel like <clears throat> um, wealth that produces wealth, money going to work for you, not just living paycheck to paycheck, but money going to work for you. And uh, so I know you've been standing up a lot, but it's probably worth it. <laughs> if that's, if, I just feel grace for that. So I want to pray it real quick. If that's you, stand up. If you feel like that applies to you, pressing in. <clears throat> money, listen, entrepreneurial uh, uh, wisdom, grace, uh, ideas, breakthrough. Thoughts from heaven, divine, divinely inspired thoughts, revelations, ways to tweak something to do it a little bit different that brings the breakthrough, new things to do, courage to step in to that thing that's been circulating in your in your in your dreaming, right? That you've been trying that fear's been trying to push down for too long. I don't know where I'm going. I'm prophesying now, but fear's been trying to push that thing down for too long. And God's saying now's the time to step in to breakthrough. Step in, right? And listen, I am prophesying against the current of the day, right? The the news is saying recession, like that says don't step out and take risks. And God say, no, now's the time to step out and take risks. Step into your dream because I'm with you in Jesus' name. Put your hands out. I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for the grace of heaven. We thank you for, yeah, we thank you for going from pruning to planting orchards, Father. Multiple streams of income. Father, wealth that makes wealth. Father, we thank you that you have stored the wealth of the wicked up for the righteous. Father, we thank you for the transference by grace in Jesus' name. Father, release the testimony of heaven over those standing right now in Jesus' name and those watching. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Whew. That was a mouthful. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so here we are. Welcome. Good morning. Yay, Jesus. Um, Naomi asked earlier, but I, I was uh, in my notes. I didn't get to see how many people that you've... Also, this is going to help me direct my message a little bit. How many people you're, you're new? Either, say, first time or kind of four, four visits or less to, to Bethel Austin. Can you put a hand up for me? You've been here kind of four visits or less. All right, there's a, there's a couple handfuls of you. That's good. It means everyone else has been journeying with us for a while, which is good because I'm, I'm closing, I, I think I'm closing um, a series. I thought I was closing it <coughs> uh, two Sundays ago when I spoke last, um, and uh, so I am, in, I am in part four of a three-part series. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, last, last week, God showed up and was doing so much stuff in the room that I, I only got through one part of, of the, the message, so we're going to kind of wrap that up today, God willing, I think, <clears throat> or he just keeps going, but, uh, it's all good. 
And so we're talking about prayer. We're in a series on prayer. And I talked about um, prayer that transforms. And the series started on the 4th of December. And uh, I, did, I did two messages. And then we were gone in Australia for a couple of weeks over the holidays. And then I came back. And so this is number four. But prayer that transforms. Prayer that, prayer that overcomes disappointment. And then last week I talked about um, releasing prayer that releases the miraculous. And so I'm going to continue on with that today. But the message today is, is prayer that releases the miraculous part two, stepping into the cloud. Come on, Jesus. So we're talking about the miraculous today, but as I said last time, this is this is... This is part four, right? So we're talking about big concepts. We're talking about stepping in the miraculous. We're talking about corporate miracles. We're talking about all these things, but we didn't start the message here, right? So there's a lot that this is built on. So I want you, if you have the ability, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to those messages. Uh, they are good. I talked about that we are, we are a house that has, has really paid a price to dig a well in worship. That we are a worshiping house and amazing things happen in worship and people seeing angels and people, I mean, literally we've had, I mean, people leaking oil. We've had, we've had gold dust manifest. We have crazy miracles. No one laying hands on people. We've had people just walk in the door and their marriages get restored. Their bodies get healed. That, that we have dug, we have dug a well in the realm of worship, but God is really encouraging us to deepen our well of prayer. Because how many people know that when worship and prayer collide, come on, powerful things happen. <clears throat> and as I've already said, both worship and prayer have to be based on the word. Amen. Come on, how many people love your Bible? You love the love the Word of God. We're gonna jump into the Word. Uh, Quite a bit today, but I just wanted to start with story time. Come on. Anybody in, in the mood for a, a good news story? And uh, so we're talking about atmospheres of the miraculous. You know, last week, so this is a continuation of last week, but last week I had a stack of paper with me. And uh, Bob Gibson, who records our testimonies, and he's available, often have a team in the lobby to connect with. If God's done something good, connect with them. But Bob brought into my office last week a stack. There was 100 pages of written testimonies from 2022, and uh, 100, 100 pages, and those are the ones that got recorded. Those are the ones that got written. Those are the ones that people reported. And you know that every one of those pages represents at least three, if not five or ten, that didn't get recorded. I feel like I'm more excited about that than you are. A <laughs> hundred pages, and I, and I held up those pages, and I was talking about that our corporate prayer is responsible for the breakthrough that is represented in those pages. And I, you know, we, we've shared many times that we have reports of people coming in, just getting out of their car in the parking lot and getting healed. <laughs> Do 
Do you know whose prayer is responsible for that? Ours. It's not, it's not one person's prayer. It's our prayer collectively pressing in for the more of God, inviting him to come and to be in our midst. Because how many people know he's not just the healer, he is healing. And he's not just healing, he is restoration, he is wholeness, he is completeness, he is fullness. <laughs> so in the same way, I just mentioned it, people walking in the sanctuary doors on the verge of divorce. God, this is your last chance. Either you touch us at this church service or we're filing for divorce. They walk in, love of God hits them. No one knows their story. No one prays for them, but God knows. And there's a company of people who have invited him to come and be in their midst. Come on, Jesus. I need some help this morning. Come on, there it is. Come on. Someone say, come on, Jesus. When I say someone say, come on, Jesus, that means someone say, come on, Jesus. So there you go. Come on, say, someone say, that's a good word. Someone say, preach it. Someone say, take your watch off. We could be here all day. <laughs> all right. We're going to jump in the Word, but I want to tell a story. It's going to take a little bit to develop, but it, it's, it's good. It's worth it. And, um, uh, you know, probably 12 years ago or so this happened, but we were, for many years leading up to this, we were taking teams into Nebraska. This, we were living in California, Bethel Reading at the time. We were taking teams into Nebraska, and we would go every year, and it started, uh, it started with Jeff Collins, who's coming next weekend for camp meeting uh, through a connection, but Jeff invited me to come to uh, just do a conference, a weekend of meetings in Nebraska. We go together. God shows up. People having encounters, angels showing up, miracles happening, cancer being healed. It was, it was amazing. And so they, they, they said, come back the next year. And so we came back, but we took a team of people with us, you know, five or six people the next year. And that was amazing. And then the next year took 10 people. Then, then more, all these people were like, hey, can you come do this at our church? So we started sending out groups from our team. So we did three or four churches. The next year, we brought 15 people. The next year, 20 people. It got to the point where every year, we were bringing between 25 and 30 people. And we would go, and in five days, we would do this conference at the main church. But we would send groups of four or five out, and we would hit churches all over the entire state. From, from border to border, we would do, I mean, by the end, we were doing so many church services. We were doing radio station interviews. We were leading dozens of outreaches. I mean, we'd have dozens and dozens of salvations. We'd have hundreds and hundreds of miracles, people uh, out in the streets covering an entire state. But how many people know that what God breathes on increases? That God never initiates anything that he intends for it to decrease. <laughs> that God spoke the universe into existence and it is still expanding to this day. 
And so every year, just crazier and crazier things were happening. This momentum's building. I mean, we had services where you could smell metal burning in the room. You could smell metal burning, and people with metal rods in their necks were like, what's that smell? Where's that coming from? Only to realize they can now bend their neck in ways they were not supposed to be able to. <clears throat> I mean, cra crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, I could tell too many stories about all of this stuff, but it gets to this point where we got our large team there, and one of the teams is doing outreach, and uh, the long story short is they come back and they report that, you know, that they felt, they felt grace at the local hospital. They were sharing, they went and prayed for some people out front of the hospital, and as they were sharing that, I felt a nudge from Holy Spirit. You're supposed to take the whole team to the hospital. So it wasn't on the itinerary or the agenda, but we just said, feel like God's on this. We put like 28 of us on the bus. We drive to the hospital. We get out. We said, hey, it probably would look crazy if 28 crazy prayer warrior revivalists all pile in the front door of the hospital together. So we said, split up two by two. Just find different, you know, doors, entrances. Just go and find people to love on. And so we sent the whole team of 28 people into the hospital. We covered a seven-story tall regional medical center, central Nebraska. We covered every floor of the hospital, just walking around, looking for people to pray for, talking to people. Now, the unique thing was that we spent an hour and a half in the hospital. The unique thing was is out of 28 of us, we hardly got to pray for anyone. It was very, it was very unique. Like the cafeteria had a, a, a close for maintenance sign on it and so like you don't usually just walk into the hospital rooms themselves you know you find people out the, around you talk to them you connect they invite you in for prayer and so we found one one family in a waiting room and we encouraged them prophesied over them they got touched started crying they invited us into the room to pray pray for I believe it was their 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 son he was grown but so we went in and got to pray for him, but it wasn't something that you could see if there was an instant, instant change. Another team got to pray for a girl in the emergency room who was in there in very critical condition, and they prayed for her, and uh, they didn't see anything happen in the moment, but we got a call the next day that from the moment that the team had walked out of the, her room, the doctors had to, she was on oxygen. They, they kept turning the oxygen down and then sent her home the next day completely healed. But, but out of 28 people covering every floor of this hospital, like we got to pray for three or four people out of the whole group with no instantaneous, like we all got back on the bus and we're like, what happened? And everyone's like, it's like crickets in the bus. It was like, which... You just got to, that's a little bit unusual, right? You send out a team, like, we just believe God's going to do great things, and we usually see him do crazy things, and so to come back, and the whole team, it was like three people were like, well, I prayed for someone, but we're not sure if anything happened, and that's it. But I remember telling the team, on the bus, we're all back on the bus, I said, guys, I feel like God sent us. I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know what he's up to, but I know that he's good. 
and he wouldn't use this time, he wouldn't let this time fall to, flat to the ground for not, God will use this? And I said, here's what we need to do. I said, we need to stand up on the bus right now and give God craziest praise that we can muster up like we just saw the most radical miracles and breakthroughs you could ever imagine. And the team caught that, and we stood up, and we just went for it on the bus. Thank you, Jesus. You're amazing. Ah, the bus is rocking. If anyone was walking by, they're like, what is going on in there? And we're like, oh, you're amazing. Thank you. Now listen, we actually, in the natural, saw zero happen. But the next day, we got the call. That little girl I told you from the ER, she was home. We're like, yes, God, thank you. And listen, if that was all that happened, that would be worth it. But the day after that, so two days later, we get a call from a nurse who is part of the church that was hosting us, but she's a nurse and she works in the hospital. We get a call from her and she says, I, 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 I for the longest time, I had the voicemail uh, recorded. Uh, I should have kept it, found a way to keep it forever, but I had it recorded, but she calls and she goes, you will never believe what's happened. Seven story tall regional medical center. Just 80% of the patients have gotten up, checked themselves out, and gone home. I mean, entire, entire wards were emptied out. I mean, people who were in there for terminal things, people who are in there chronic things, ICU, like people just getting up out of their bed. I don't know what just happened, but I'm well, and checking themselves out and going home. Now, now here's what's wild, is that that happened, and obviously the, uh, the administration people are freaking out. They don't know what's happening. They're having emergency meetings, like, what's going on? But here's what's wild, is not only did that moment of like healing break out, but an anointing of health was released. So not only did the patients leave, no new patients came in. And so, and so departments who were used to, take, to, to intake of like 12 new patients a day would, would ha had like one or two that week. From 12 a day to one or two for the week. But you know what? It didn't last for only a week. It spilled into the next week, and the next week, and the next month, and the month after that, and the month after that, and the month after that. The hospital stayed between 80 and 90% empty for eight months. They had to ship out employees. People were going, like they were sending their employees to take shifts at other hospitals. They were shipping out departments. Like it was wild. <laughs> you know, there was, there was one department in the hospital. Every, every department was, was going flat, but one department was thriving. Labor and delivery. <laughs> <laughs> babies, babies were booming. <laughs> so, like, people who are normally ICU nurses are working in that, in that ward, right? Because they're like, we got nothing to do, and you have an abundance. And, like, so they're pulling in people, like. <laughs> now, here's what's wild. It gets better. Can you handle some more? <laughs> the, 
that about, so we get eight months, eight months in, right? I'm getting regular updates and reports and eight months in and it starts to build like, so it's 80 to 90% empty this whole time. We get to eight months and it starts to build back up again. And, and so it, it gets to full capacity over the next three or four months. It gets back up to full capacity. But now we've gone a calendar year, and it's time for our team's visit again. <laughs> Listen, I'm not making this up. I couldn't have dreamed it up. I couldn't have planned it up. Listen, a visit to the hospital wasn't even on our agenda or itinerary, itinerary but he does more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Our team, our team flies in the next year. Listen, we don't even visit the hospital. Our team lands at the airport the next year, and the rate in the hospital drops by 80%. People, listen, listen, people start getting up again and checking themselves out. Hallelujah! I don't know if this sunk in yet. <laughs> people get up. In time, listen, do the math, right? Seven stories. We're talking about floors of people getting up in mass and checking themselves out of the hospital. And listen, that happens the next year and it never goes up again. It never goes up again. They, had, they literally had to sell the hospital. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Listen. There's in in John. In John 14, it says, and listen, I'm, I'm stepping back in where I left off last week. In John 14, verse 12, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Come on. It's... Powerful promise, but what I highlighted last week, we're going to build off this, is that I just read verses 12 and 13, but going back, if you back up to verse 7, it says this, if you had known me, this is, if you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have you been, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And it goes, and it goes on. But the point is, is that there, I'm breaking down some walls of moving into greater realms of the miraculous. Because we think to pray 
for great miracles. We think to pray for earth-shaking things, testimonies that are, are, that our brain can't wrap around, like seeing seven-story tall hospitals cleared out. Like to pray for these things, we, uh, we account our ability or our permission to pray for these things to our goodness, to our walk. Like, oh, am I worthy to pray that prayer? And the answer is no. <laughs> but one has stepped in in our place. One has stepped in as our high priest, as our covering, as our redeemer, as our intercessor. Come on. That he is in us and we are in him. That we aren't worthy, but he is worthy. And, the, and the, the revelation, listen, what gives us permission to step in to pray bold prayers is not, am I, did I have a good enough week? Am I doing a good enough job? Is my walk lined up enough? Do I think that I deserve to see hospitals cleared out? Because the answer is we probably never will get to that point. Well, you think, oh, yes, I've gotten there. I am now worthy to see hospitals cleared out. And if you do get thinking like that, somebody next to you should slap you. <laughs> that, that we're not supposed to think that, but Jesus reveals something right before he says, the works that I do, greater works shall you do. Right before he says that, he reveals, he, he reveals the secret, and that is to reveal the Father. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Heaven releasing great miracles isn't about you. Heaven doing, uh, doing mind-blowing things, things beyond what we could think or imagine. Heaven releasing this type of breakthrough isn't about you at all. It's about people being introduced to the Father. Sometimes God works in mysterious ways. Listen, no one knows at the hospital, no one knows we were there other than a handful of people. No one knows my name, no one knows the team name, all those people who got up out of the hospital, they don't know, but guess what? They know God just intervened. They know heaven just stepped in. They know that, that their impossible case just bowed its knee to a higher power. That Jesus, that, that through you, Jesus will release miraculous things, not so that you can get another notch on your belt, not so that you can tip your cap, no, that, not so that you can get accolades, but so that that person can be introduced to the Father. Whoa. If you can connect your prayer, God... I want people to know you, to see you, to find you, to encounter you, to experience your goodness, the same goodness that changed me. Let people encounter that goodness. Let them be changed by you. Guess what comes on those type of prayers? Miraculous power and grace is released at an unthinkable level. The atmosphere of prayer, that we 
corporately that our, that our, <clears throat> our yes is powerful. One sends a thousand to flight, but two, 10,000. Our, our yes is powerful. Our corporate yes is more powerful. Now, when you can embrace this, God, I just, I just want people to encounter you. God, when your presence comes and that, that woman who's had arthritis problems for 20 years and her pain leaves, God, she's not looking at me. She's looking at you. When you can embrace that and you come into a community of people who can embrace that, guess what happens? A lot. That's the correct answer. <laughs> I want to corporate p- prayer. That there's places of wells being dug, and I mean, an easy one is is IHOP, twenty four seven prayer and worship, twenty four seven prayer and worship. I don't know if anyone's been there. Renee's been there. She loved it. Listen. When you step into that place, you feel an atmosphere of God. You feel an atmosphere of prayer. Amen? Whose prayer are you feeling? (laughs) Out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) Whose prayer are you feeling? Everybody's. Listen, did it sink in? Everybody's. It's not just Mike Bickle's prayer. It's not just Misty Edwards. It's the collection of people who have given a yes over year after year after year, hour after hour of prayer. Collectively, heaven is invading that place and establishing God's building up his throne in that place. He's inhabiting the praise of his people in that place. And you walk into a collective welcoming of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. You know, in the same way, our collective, yes, releases heaven. And one of the most powerful things, one of the most freeing things that can happen is that God can give you the answer to your prayer, but it not happen through your hands. (laughs) Now listen, the... The, the opposite is also true. It is, it is incredibly powerful and encouraging and it builds you up when things happen through your hands. And there's an increase coming for that. But there are times that God will do that because he knows he needs to encourage you that way. But there's times that God will answer your, answer your prayers but not through your hands because he knows you need to be built up that way. What does that mean? It's like, God... Come, I want people to encounter you. I've, I have not seen cancer healed. God, come. I want to see cancer healed. Come and heal someone of cancer, God. And you pray that. And next week at church, someone over here prays and a lady gets healed of cancer. <laughs> now you have a choice. You have a choice. God wants to know what your choice is going to be. Are you going to let the orphan spirit reign? And you go, oh, God, I, I, it happened through someone else again, God. I, I was asking for that. 
Why didn't you do it through me? You did it through them. Like, I, I don't even know if they were asking for that. In fact, I'm, I, I know them. They're not living right. God, what are you doing? <laughs> or the revelation of the corporate yes, the spirit of adoption comes, and you pray for cancer to be healed, and it happens over there instead of right here. You go, yes, it's happening. If you can move into that place, it sets you free. It's, not, it's no longer about you and them. It's about him and them. And when it's about him and them, God releases you. You've now set down your strength, your goodness in the equation to pick up his. Now God can trust you to release it through you. Okay. Back in leading the healing rooms and ready, and I've shared this a number of times, but we would, the, the healing rooms, right? So praying for physical healing, that was our assignment. That was our task, and God would heal emotions and, and mental conditions and marriages, and he did all. But we're, predominantly, we're going after praying for physical healing. We want to see impossible cases bow their knee to Jesus, and we're praying that, but I would tell people, when we would gather people for training, hey, come join the healing rooms. I would tell people who are stepping onto a team to pray for physical healing, I would tell them, I don't need you to be good at praying for the sick, yeah. at healing the sick. That's a better way to say it. I don't need you to be good at healing the sick. I just need you to love his presence. I just need you to love his presence. Because he's better at his job than we are at ours. And he needs less help than we think he needs. And that when we actually learn to invite him to come and then get out of the way, is when he can actually be God in our midst. And so we would gather people all the time who don't know how to heal the sick. In fact, I'm the director of the healing rooms, leading the healing rooms, healing conferences, healing schools, healing outreaches, you name it. Everything I did for a period of time had the word healing in the title. At one point, I realized everything I do has healing in the title. My full-time job is to heal the sick. The only problem with that is I don't know how to heal anybody. <laughs> but I know how to hang out with the one who does. And in that place of gathering people and saying, I don't need you to be good at healing the sick, I just need you to love his presence. You know what comes in that? Freedom. I'm now not holding heaven's anointing hostage to my version, my perception of my value. Should I say that again? <laughs> In that place, I'm no longer holding heaven's anointing hostage, captive to my perception of my value. It's not, it's not me and them. It's not even me and him. First, it's him and them. Oh, come and reveal the Father. 
Just come, just come and do it in the room. I just want to be in the room when it happens. I want people to get out of wheelchairs. I want deaf ears to, to be open. I want tumors to dissolve. I want marriages to be restored. I want mental conditions to be rectified. I want heaven to come. I just want to be in the room, God. I love you. I love you, and you're not just the healer. You are healing. Come. And when you get a hundred people doing that, guess what happens? God comes. Guess what else happens? People get out of wheelchairs. But it might happen. Over here, someone gets out of wheelchair. And over there, someone get, has a deaf ear open. And maybe right here, a tumor dissolves. But guess what? Collectively, whose testimonies are those? Ours. Those are our testimonies because we stepped in to pray. Invited heaven to come. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Acts 5, we might, uh, who knows, we might end up with a, a fifth, a fifth uh, message on this three-part <laughs> series, but Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 15 is where we want to camp, but I want to start a little bit before that. I'm in Ephesians. How to get there? Wrong, wrong bookmark. <clears throat> okay, let's start in verse 12 of Acts 5. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared to join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Someone say all healed. <laughs> now, <clears throat> how many people love, love that passage right there? Yeah. You know, that story of Peter's shadow healing the sick. Like, talk about mind-blowing. <clears throat> and I love that passage. Have loved it for years and years and years. But to be honest, I had this conversation with the Lord at some point. It was years ago now, but I had this conversation with the Lord, and I, and I said, God, I love this passage, but if I, if I can be honest, I don't get it. Sometimes it's good to have honest conversation with the Lord. Sometimes it's good to be honest with ourselves. I said, God, I love it. I don't get it. Now, I'm already, you know, leading all those healing things I just mentioned, seeing seeing. People get healed, cancer flee, tumors dissolve, deaf ears open, people get out of wheelchairs, seeing all that stuff, but yet I'm reading this, 
and they're laying sick people on beds and mats and couches, and Peter's shadow simply goes over them, and they jump up off of their beds and mats and couches healed. And I have to be honest with myself. I'm like, God, I've learned a lot in this journey, but this, I don't get it. I don't get how, how, God. What is going on here that is releasing that type of grace, that level of grace? And God said to me very clearly in response, he said, go and read Mark 9. Go and read Mark 9. And I, and I thought to myself, what is in Mark 9 that God could be referencing here? And as I, as I went and I turned to Mark 9 and I started to read, it says this. In verse 1, And he said to them, Assuredly I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. Someone say present with power. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. <laughs> here it is, and listen to verse 7. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. Awesome. <laughs> And, I, and I, love, I love that passage too. Love it. Love that passage. It's so good. I'm like, oh God, I want the Mount Transfiguration. I want to I experience it. I love that. But I was just in Acts 5. I said, God, I don't get Peter's shadow. He said, go read Mark 9, okay? I went over, and this is the part that he highlighted for me. I read it, and I was like, this is amazing. But I still don't get it. I don't get it, God. What, what does that have to do with that? And he said, read it again. Okay. I read it again. Still don't get it. He said, read it again. Okay. I read it again. After reading it three or four times, I said, God, what are you trying to teach me? I don't get it. I'm dense. I need help. And this is what God said. This is how, what God responded with. He said, this is this is where Peter learned about prayer. Now listen, Peter grew up in a, in a, a Jewish community, right? But, he, but Christ coming into the scene, Jesus stepping in as our redeemer, as our high priest, as, as the access to heaven, right? That ability to step into this realm of accessing the Father like never before, this is brand new. Amen? <laughs> it's brand new. And Jesus steps in, and the Bible says over and over that Jesus would withdraw by himself to pray. Jesus would go up on a mountain and pray. And Peter is not just one of the 12. Peter is one of the three, right? Central, closest to Jesus. He's walking with Jesus, watching him multiply food, watching him raise the dead, right? And and. 
This Jesus that they're following, watching every move he makes, every word that comes out of his mouth, when you speak, there is life on your words. This Jesus, and this Jesus is continually taking off by himself to pray. I don't know about you, but if I was Peter, I would be like, what is he doing up there? <laughs> I'm the only one? Like, I'd be like, what is he doing up there on the mountain, and why can't I come? What is he doing? And if I was Peter, and what we know about Peter, he probably tried this a couple times, I would be hiding behind a rock. I would be behind a tree. What is he doing? What is happening? And here's what I believe. I, this is what I believe. I believe the Mount of Transfiguration wasn't an isolated experience for Jesus. I believe what was unique here is that this time he let three guys in on it. Jesus let three guys in on his prayer life. He said, you want to know what I'm doing up there? Come and see. Come with me. And he took them up on the mountain and started to pray. Thanks to his father in heaven started to open up. And Moses and Elijah appearing. He's having conversations to the point that the cloud, the glory cloud of heaven comes and surrounds them. And Peter said, I don't know what to do. Let me build three tabernacles. Don't go away is what he's saying. <laughs> don't, whatever's happening right now, how do I hold on to this? That's what he's saying. Let me build three tabernacles so you don't have to disappear. Stay here. And the voice of the Father comes out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, hear him. And God speaks to me about all this. And he said, this is, this is Peter's only perspective of prayer. Clean slate. This is his only perspective of prayer. What is prayer? Let me show you. This, and this is what God said. This is the language he used with me. He, God said, Peter didn't grow up with table manner prayers and a history of unanswered, lukewarm, watered down, unconnected prayers. He, Peter didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> is anybody with me? Listen, when we say prayer... What do you think? <laughs> what is happening? We've been in this building a year and I've never heard that before. We're about to take off. We're taking off, and I got to find a way to land it at the same time. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Listen, Peter didn't even know that type of prayer was an option. He didn't know. He'd never seen it. It'd never been modeled. The only one praying is Jesus, and he's multiplying bread, raising the dead, Connected to the Father, the heavens are opening up, the glory cloud is showing up, the voice of the Father is speaking, and when you say prayer, that's what Peter thinks. When you say prayer, that's what Peter thinks. That's all he knows. So when, so now, <laughs> I love you, whoever said that. 
Listen, so now, fast forward, Jesus dies on the cross. He ascends to the Father, right? He gives gifts to men. As I was sent in the world, so I send you. Now it's Peter and the rest of the disciples' turn to, as Jesus went for them to go. And so Peter goes, okay, we got we to gotta expand the kingdom. I better start praying. I better start praying so he would go in his room, right? I'm painting a picture. He'd go in his room and he would close the door and he would start to pray. But his only perspective of prayer was the Mount of Transfiguration and, and the life that Jesus modeled, that level of connection. So he would, li listen, what do you think when you think successful prayer? Is it the same as what Peter was thinking? Because Peter went and he closed the door and he's like, okay, listen, sometimes the biggest shelf is our, is our perspective. If you think prayer is supposed to be that, guess what prayer will be? If you think prayer is supposed to be what Peter had, guess what prayer will be? So Peter closed the door. He's like, hey, time to pray. And he starts pressing in. He starts, oh, Father, where are you? I love you. I saw it happen with Jesus. Where is it going to happen? I'm here. I love you. And he keeps pressing in until the heavens start to open up, until the presence of God starts coming, until the glory cloud starts filling the room, until grace is enveloping, until he's hearing the voice of the Father out of the clouds speaking to him, Peter, I love you. Peter, you're amazing, Peter. <laughs> Let's expand the kingdom together. And Peter's like, oh, I love you. Who knows, days, weeks, he's in this place with God. And finally, like, he's like, God, I love you so much. I've been here a while. I'm hungry. I'm going to go to the market. I'm going to get a bite to eat, but I will be back. Don't go anywhere. And Peter walks out of his, his secret place, his prayer chapel. He walks out to go to the market to get a bite to eat, right? This is my interpretation, my version. He walks out of his prayer room, and there's people on beds and couches and mats there, and Peter's like, what are all these sick people doing here? But he's been so saturated, so covered, so aware. I love what Pastor Bill says. Your shadow releases whatever overshadows you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And that Peter walks out, and the shadow that's overshadowed him touches those people, and it's not Peter's actions, it's the one he's aware of and walking with, and they start to jump up off their beds and mats and couches. The word there to overshadow in the Greek can also mean envelop. Now, I don't have time to go on this. The, the story of transformation is in three of the Gospels. It's in, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. That, that word, to overshadow or envelop, is only used five times, and it's used three times in those three Gospels. It's used in Acts 5, here with Peter, and the other time it's used is Luke 1, where the angel of the Lord shows up to Mary and says, the Lord is going to come and overshadow you, and you are going to be impregnated with the Christ. Enveloped, 
enveloped. I don't have time, but in the Gospel of Luke, I just read Mark, in Matthew and Luke, it says that the shadow, in Mark we read, it says the, the, the cloud came and the voice came out of the cloud. In Matthew and Luke, it says that the cloud came and it says they stepped into the cloud. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Let's crash land into the cloud. Can you stand up with me? If you're, listen, if you want to step into the cloud, if you want to be a part of the corporate, yes. If you want to, if you want to adopt the perspective on prayer that Peter had, if that's you, just put your hands out in front of you. Jonathan, if we could get some just music softly in the back. and <clears throat> Thank you, Father. God, I thank you. I might be crash landing this thing. But you're doing something in our community. You're doing something in our hearts that is going to launch us to new levels. Father, I thank you for setting people free from the... From the the, the hindrance of, oh, it's, a, it's about me. No, it's not about you. It's about revealing the Father to the world around you. And God, I pray that you, right now, that you would give us a new perspective. God, I pray that you would give people permission. Listen, I feel like there, there's a few of you. I feel like there's a few of you, 10 or 12 or so. That this is so you, this grip. Like, you need to say, yes, God. I'm going to give myself to stepping into the cloud. We're going to release everyone. But if that's you, you're just supposed to step forward right now. I just want you just to come up to the front. I don't, think, I don't know that it's 100 people, but there are some of you in the room that you're like, this is, so, this is, this is what I am called to. Thank you, Father. This is what I am called to. I am called. I am called to shell off the voice of culture, the voice of this age. I am to push past all of that. I am like the woman with the issue of blood who pushed through the crowd, through the distractions, through the negativity to grab a hold of his hem to step in. Father, I thank you for the corporate yes, God. Give us permission to pray bold prayers. Come on, raise it up, God, in our midst, God. Dig a well of prayer, God, that we can pray crazy, wild, radical things, God, because we give you permission not just to do it through our hands, but just to be in the room where it's happening, just to be in the city where it's happening. God, do crazy, radical things through other churches in the city, God, but we want to be a part of a move of God that transforms a capital city, God, and it doesn't have to happen through our hands. Yes, God, let some of it happen through our hands. God, let some of it happen through our hands but let us just be a part of it, God. So, Father, I thank you for breathing, digging the well and breathing on the corporate yes, God, as we choose to step into the shadow in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, thank you, Jesus.
Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.